Hi, I'm Stella from Shophouse & Co. We created Podscape, a travelling mobile podcast recording booth to record sounds and stories of the city. Do you pay attention to the sounds of your home, your neighbourhood or your city? What is your memory of a place? A place that you love or had perhaps grown up or worked in? Uh, so this is my first time doing beach cleaning uh, and I'm very, very shocked and astounded at the amount of waste that, is, that gets washed up in the shores. Yeah, so, and it just makes me reflect a lot. Like, we think that all this um, plastic is insignificant. It's just me alone consuming this little sweet or biscuit and then I will just throw away and I will never see this again. But actually all this... Um, it, it never really go away. Uh, I feel activities like beach cleaning would uh, bring people together because uh, for one thing, if they live in past areas, they will find it convenient to just head down uh, to, to, to engage in such activities, uh, su such meaningful activities, I, I would say. So uh, it will actually bring the, uh, foster the compound, the compound spirit because uh, people from different uh, walks of life will come together, they will interact, then they will come with a common objective, which is to, uh, to save the environment. We are in our last episode for the second season of Podscape. In this episode, we will talk about what makes Pasari so special to those who live, work and play here. As Shakespeare said, what is the city if not the people? So let us chat with an inspiring resident who embodies the live workplace spirit. Joining us today, we have Maltuda De Silva and she's wearing a Ocean Purpose Project shirt. So I shall leave her to introduce herself. All right, thank you so much for having me here, ladies. So I'm Matilda De Silva. I run the Ocean Purpose Project. It's a social enterprise that's proudly based here in Passeris Park. So uh, I'm a little bit uh, tired <laughs> because uh, we just had a very intensive beach cleanup here at um, just in front of Kapak E. Um, you know, so fantastic weather, sun is shining, the roosters are out in full force. Um, you know, we had uh, a great team that was picking up quite a lot of plastic that was washing up on our beaches. So, you know, that's some of the stuff that we do. We do these community cleanups here in Pasiris a lot. But the other work that we do is around plastic to fuel, where we convert all of this waste ocean plastic into fuel. After mm. all, plastic comes from oil. Mm. We also work together with the Kelong owners. We had a wonderful Kelong uncle that passed by today uh, at about 10 o'clock to just say hi to our team. Wow. Uh, you know, and it was really nice because, uh, you know, when you do a cleanup, it's great that people actually have an idea that whatever plastic we take out from our waters here in Pasiris prevents all of that plastic from being eaten by, you know, the fishes that mm. are growing in the fish farms and also being caught by our fishermen. So when they meet a Kelong uncle, right, they also understand what are some of the difficulties they go through. And so, you know, all of that happened today in the morning, right? So it's been a power-packed morning yeah. here in Basaris Park. And as you can see, there's so many people out and about um, you know, having picnics, paddling, yes. when the weather is this good, right? You know, everybody that lives here is like, wow, I've got to take my stand-up paddle board on my kayak and go, I must hit the water. Oh. In fact, I was also kind of like, mm, I have my paddle here. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> oh you brought it. Are you also Passeries resident? <laughs> yes, I am. I just live down the road. Um, so literally, this is my backyard. You know, so that's why I, uh, our home base for Ocean Purpose Project is here as well. Because as a resident and also somebody that is running a proudly Passeries-based business, I think a lot of what, what we do has to engage with residents and people that live here. It's mm. very much like what you're doing with placemaking, right? Yes. So, I mean, um, you know, this area that we are in right now, right? The entire town of Pasiris is actually just kind of extended out from the beach. Yes. Oh. So, the start of Pasiris is where the beach starts. The yeah. end of Pasiris is also where the beach ends. So, you know, this is kind of like a fantastic place for us to do our conservation uh, activities and mm. our ocean pollution prevention activities. But it's also a great way for a town to get involved. Yep. Every single 140,000 resident, right, mm. would be able to get involved and get stuck in because literally like the beach flanks the entire town. So how do you involve particularly the community in Passeries? Mm. And, and you know, how did your work um, became almost like you said earlier, you started... Yeah. Started out of pastries, it started at home, and yep. yeah, I think it's also a combination of the pandemic as well. Um, you know, we were meant to be traveling overseas. We were meant to be speaking to our European partners. Mm -hmm. We were meant to hit Asia and all of that. We couldn't do that. Um, but the other aspect of it was, I, um, I mean, there's a lot in the news about East Coast plan, right? It's coming <laughs> out, like you know. Um, but I mean, what's washing up on pastries is also important. Um, you know, there, there are teams that come here and there and hit the, the beach. But what we do is we engage with different community leaders. That's mm. religious community leaders. We also speak to grassroots leaders. We started with them first. Mm. Of course, we had um, our minister, SMTO, who was very supportive. We also had like minister of, uh, second minister of state for uh, Ministry of Sustainability and Environment, um, Desmond who actually came and joined our cleanups. Mm -hmm. He was running everywhere. I was like, sir, sir, relax, relax. Slowly, so slowly, we got, yeah, we, got, we got 45 minutes. No need to finish in five minutes. But I Each think cleanup is about 45 minutes? About 45, 45 minutes. minutes. Wow. And then it can be longer. Can be but, longer. you know, with the community leaders, one thing that I realised is that once we, we do this, it's about continuously building the relationship. Yes. Then people start to go, ah, okay, you the one, right? Like, you know, the ocean cleanup, uh, ocean purpose <laughs> project, you do the cleanup or... You know, I mean, the, one of the cleaners calls me into me. Uh, you know, into so, me. Yeah, into me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful Indian girl. Yeah. So the moment he sees me, right, he'd be like, ah, I go and stand by two tongs for you. I put your rubbish there. You know, okay. and so that. So that, you actually went on the ground, talked to the cleaners. Right. It's relationship. The, yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, yes. we we organize. We get the some of our cleanups. We will actually sponsor um, like a lunch or even mm. a, a couple of presents for the for the cleaners that work mm. here. Mm. So I think working with the community helps people to also understand that like, you know, we can do this as... It doesn't have to be a social enterprise thing. We're going to wear a t-shirt and then we're going to have a mm, Facebook yes. sign up and a hum, ha, hum. I mean, yeah. like, it doesn't need to be complicated. Yes, mm. It should naturally be a thing that we all do yeah. as Pasiris people. It's yeah. like, I believe that you have to find the touch points of love within the community of what they organically love. And from there, you will actually be able to work backwards as to how to mobilize a community. I mean, I'm... Mm. I was the head of community for Mediacorp and Starhub. Mm. So I do that in a corporate way. Mm -hmm. And I teach corporates how to do community work. But then mm. the thing is that when we're talking about a place that's different, right? Like when we're talking about sustainability and all of that, it's really about like, you know, um, 
the health of the place, yes. which translates to the health of the people as well, right? Yeah. And their, their mindset. As my husband and I have a notable presence uh, online, we decided that we wanted to use our platform for something more meaningful. So we decided um, to host this beach cleanup and get people, um, people's interest to help out and do, do something good for the earth. Thankfully, uh, my husband has some contacts and he helped me link up with Ocean Purpose Project, which uh, supplied the tongs, the pails, the gloves for us. And the rest was up to me. I, I had to gather the group and tell them how it works. And we'll just pick up trash along the coastline for about an hour. As Matilda shared, it doesn't need to be difficult or complicated. Once you have identified the touch points of love, what the community organically loves, this little spark will ignite and catalyze support among the community. We have seen this to be even more important, especially during the pandemic. Local communities and neighbourhood are now vital in keeping people connected and safe. Where you live, work and play, the line is no longer as distinct as cities transform themselves in the new normal. Yeah, so Matilda, you know, when we started um, working on Portscape Season 2 in Passeries, mm. one of the, the themes that we wanted to develop was this idea of Passeries as a resort town, you know, a century, you know, almost like everyone who came, that we came across, they, they talk about, you know, they'll be working in the city or wherever, wherever they come back home, there's mm -hmm. a sense of like, oh, you know, just very relaxing, you know, very peaceful. Um, what What's that like for you, living in Passeries? I, I mean, when I wanted to buy my first place, uh, I was just like, mm, sure, I should be in the city, right? Because a lot of the work that I do is in, you know, either city or Mediopolis and stuff like that. But then now I'm like, cannot lie. I cannot, I just, I cannot be so far away from Passeries. I mean, I always lived in front of the beach. And this is kind of like a thing, right? Like I've always like, whenever I want, I will just be able to go and paddle if I feel mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, I can just cycle to the beach. I can just like, you know, go to any of our beach bars. We have like fantastic food and chill out. I mean, on a Friday night, right? When it's super crowded everywhere else, this is like, you know, the best hidden spot. Okay, you didn't hear it from me, huh? Look, I make this big crowded, man. Mm. But this is where you would usually find me having a, a drink and if I wanted to relax. Um, you know, I mean, it's such a, a lovely spot um, to relax. Uh, we used to just be able to bring a guitar, chill, have picnics. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's there's a vibe about the place, right? And mainly it has to do with the fact that that beach is so accessible. Um, but of course, uh, now I do stand-up paddle. So I've got my own paddle uh, board that I keep here. Um, and a couple of... Uh, you know, I think 2018 was when I started um, SUP and I started paddling a lot more. And I used to go up to where the, the blue barrels are, mm. right? Uh, and just look at the blue barrels and, you know, just kind of sit there and it's a great spot to enjoy the sunrise and sunset. Oh, wow. Um, water's super calm at sunrise time. Uh, all the fishermen are just going in and laying their nets and... You know, some of... Uh, I have a good friend of mine who... Uh, she is a meat seller. So, bef 
before she starts work, she'll we'll, we'll go out for a paddle. Sometimes she'll buy nasi lemak. We'll just like go out, paddle, eat nasi lemak, watch the sunrise. Mm. Very romantic, right? Mm. Yeah. You eat nasi lemak <laughs> in the water? Yeah, girl. That's wow. the only way to do it. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, paddle after that's all the calories you burn. You go out there, you enjoy your nasi lemak. We detox and it? retox and then detox. <laughs> I mean, like, what's the point, right? Eat like, you know, the rice after all of that workout. And I remember that there were a lot of uh, food stalls by the beach and we would just stroll down to the beach for dinner and there would be a, a lot of seafood restaurants as well as hawker stalls like satay and, you know, all kinds of, you know, food that you can imagine. Oh, it's right at just before the water. So it is, yes, so it was very close to the water. And, uh, you know, not many people know about this then. And I also had, there was also a, a Malay stall, right, you know, where the kapak E used to be. And it was a very small Malay stall, but that served um, breakfast and lunch and dinner. And we fell in love with the place. And we had breakfast almost every weekend there. And then when we had parties at the house, we would cater food from them. And they would be able to whip up satay, misiam. You name it. So it was really lovely. One of my very vivid memories was like when I was in like kindergarten, I think. So in Pasir Park, there used to be like a longkang fishing area where we could catch fish. Where they give us a bucket and a, and a net, and we could catch fish in some shop over there. So um, I used to go there like pretty much every week, and like one day when it disappeared that bucket and the net is still in my house somewhere. So I will never ever forget that. Previously when we were younger, there wasn't things like staycation. So the teenagers will just go to chalets and then have parties there, barbecues, and we'll invite some friends over to, to you know, it's like a, it's a place to hang out. That's the thing, we don't really have a strong memory per se, but it's just like our lives were intertwined around Pasiris. So he, she, she, she went to Pasiris Primary, which is like literally like, I don't know, less than 300, 400 meters from my parents' place. So we've been that close to each other all our lives. But, you know, uh, I didn't meet her until I was... Yeah, our paths didn't cross until we were adults. Yeah. And then uh, when we finally got married, interestingly, like the development that we are staying at right now just kind of opened up and it's Pasiris again. Yeah. So. So, so it's 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 like it's kind of a full circle, so it's quite interesting. Wow, Pasiri's very own love story. We have heard over and over again many different stories from the community of how they are connected to Pasiri's beyond the amenities or the architecture. The memories, the stories and the heritage has collectively contributed to the identity of the town. Speaking of heritage, did you know when Singapore was in its early days of nation-building, our then-Prime Minister Lee Kuan Yew created the Workers' Brigade to provide meaningful jobs to unemployed youths in the early days of nation-building. The Workers' Brigade camp was located right here in Pasiris. It was often described as Singapore's army without guns. Remember Uncle Samad, our guest from episode 1? He shared that it was through the Workers' Brigade that he found his first job in telecoms, where he went on to work for 29 years. In fact, there's a passion wave right in front of That's us. That's right. Yeah. Now, something interesting about this passion wave, right? 
um, way when there was a Kampung Pasir Ris. This location um, was actually where they started training the Pasiris, Kampung Pasiris residents mm. um, to start getting them to, you know, they, they could get jobs or they could Is get the little skills. Is it the workers' brigade? That the workers' brigade, workers exactly. Brigade. Yes, we, we've heard from one mm. of the residents So here. this location, right, is mm. something that kind of brings a lot of people together and is the bridge between um, people that live here and being able to work here. So this oh. is also why the work that we do here is around creating a new industry for passeries. Yes. New, a new industry around bioplastics mm. that are 100% made from seaweed and mussels. Mm. You yeah. want to share a little bit more about that? But what do you mean by you know bringing yeah. the community to do this work? Sure. You know, yeah. Like a new form of work. So right now, what we do with our community cleanups, um, this is just a ch- this is a free thing that we do. Um, we teach the community leaders how to run their own cleanups during pandemic. The whole purpose behind that is, like I said, right, a cleanup shouldn't be a very like, you know, uh, flashy thing that you have to sign up and get the mm. official branded t-shirt to do it. It's and come really, one time, then never come back. Correct. It's just, <laughs> it should be a thing where you're like, okay, let's just come, let's just do it. But the other aspect of what we focus on is after you clean all of that stuff up, what do we do with it? In fact, in the bag just behind me right mm. here, um, we collected quite a few plastic bottles. So, you know, uh, we washed it, we just washed it. And one of the grassroots leaders has kindly put me in touch with a plastic recycler who is going to look at our ocean plastic and see if he can accept it. If so, a lot of the ocean plastic that we pick up, we will wash it and we will pass it to the plastic recycler. So that's one example. The second example is if that couldn't be recycled, that's why we want to have a plastic to fuel unit here in Pasiris where all that waste plastic, we collected 219 kgs of waste plastic today. Wow. wow. All that just today? Just today. Just in 45 minutes. 219 kg. kg. And we are the third team to be cleaning up. Huh? Wow. Already two teams came before us mm. and they collected even more than that. Now, what happens to that plastic is the question, where does it go? Right now, all of that stuff is just thrown into the bin and then that's going to, you know, be incinerated in yep. Samakau. But then the big question is, how do we recover that plastic? Mm-hmm. If we can't recycle it, can we turn it back into fuel? Which is yeah. really what we are working on. So if we had that right here in that iconic <laughs> area where Workers' yeah. Brigade was, now it's about saying, at a time like this, right, during the pandemic, when so many people in Pasiris are losing jobs, Right? The airline industry is just yes, next door. Exactly. Right? And just down the road, we've got Loyang Shipyard as well, right? Mm. You know, maybe we can suggest something that is going to bring back jobs to this area, but mm. in sustainability. Mm. So, this is one of the areas that, like, you know, it's like the, it's almost as if the place carries an energy with it that yeah. is meant to be community minded work. Yeah. And so it just translates in the different times, right? that we are in right now we are in 2021 yes the place is literally saying how do you bring the community together to work for yeah. the place yeah. Correct. but in a way that is not like what we've been doing before yes and so that's really what we're trying to do and trying to, yeah. to see in terms of what um, we can work on here well if if one day what you know you wish for <laughs> could come to pass that would be really amazing because workers brigade it's not a camp 
it's not a camp yeah, that yeah. people send their <laughs> kids to, you know. It's, it's, it was a camp that actually our then Prime Minister Lee Kuan Yew actually created yes. because Singapore was developing. But now, at the turn of where we are this century, you know, and it, we are 2021 and the post-pandemic world, mm. right? Climate change, sustainability um, is a huge part of what we're discussing today. Yeah. If we can link what that vision of creating this place back then to where we are at now, I think you you are really on the right track. There's something very special about this place. It just takes you to a place which is so different from the rest of Singapore. Like I can't I can't convince you with words to come down, but once you take that first step into the park, once you take that first step into nature, then you realize like wow, I it was this thing that I didn't know had so much value in it before. Yeah, I didn't know how good it was until I came down here and now I want to come back for more because I've experienced such goodness here. Yeah, so our friends also tell us once they drive to into Pasiris to visit us, it's like everybody goes, ah, yeah, so, so there's that, that chill out feeling. Uh, nobody is actually rushing too much everywhere. Yeah, and I think there's that sense of space which we really do appreciate. I, I would never leave Pasiris. <laughs> so, in fact, uh, I think um, most likely I, I will, uh, you know, my day also end, end in Pasiris. Pasiris definitely holds a special place in the hearts of its residents. From these five episodes and the short time we had spent in Pasiris, we learned so much more from the community and are very happy to have had all of you share your time and stories with us. As we say in Shophouse & Co, people make places and places make people. Thank you, Matuda, for giving us a glimpse of what it means to live, work and play in Pasiris. A perfect wrap-up to Season 2 of Podscape, Sounds and Stories of the City. We hope you have enjoyed this edition. If you know of other towns that we should be bringing Podscape to, share with us on our social media pages at Shophouse Co. Help us to tell your friends about Podscape and remember to subscribe to Podscape on Spotify so that you know the next place we are going to. To all our guests, residents, collaborators and artists who took time to share your work, thoughts, stories and experiences of Pasiris, a great thank you. We can feel your love and pride for this special place. To end this episode off, here's a jingle that a freshman has created inspired by the stories we had collected. Downtown of Eastern Singapore beneath our toes Our town, our story To rivers that always flow Sing along, Pasiris Wan, Ying Guangling, Bicycle Sound.